shift happens. I can't! I can't! This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my brand new online course, Mindfulness for Anxiety, the ultimate anxiety program. If you're someone who suffers from anxiety, then I can tell you right now, you are not alone. In here at our center, we deal with people day in, day out, suffering from all types of addictions, from all types of mental illness, and the one common thread that we see in everyone at some level is this anxiety. So I've put together this online course with some of the best tools, the best healing methods we have here at the center to make it accessible to everyone and really start to tackle this problem. So for more information, please head on over to anxietycourse.online. That's anxietycourse.online and enter the coupon code SHIFT HAPPENS. That's all one word, SHIFT HAPPENS for 50% off the price of the course, which makes the course like... I think it's 40 bucks. So 40 bucks for a heap of on-demand video, 30 different lectures, a PDF syllabus to fill out and go through as you go in your own time, a bunch of meditations to download and much, much more. So guys, head on over and start to get on top of your anxiety today. Hello, hello, it's Ryan Hassan here, founder and CEO of the Melbourne Centre of Healing and Shift Happens. This podcast is back for 2018 after I took a little break to refresh, recharge for a big year ahead. I hope you all had a fantastic and wonderful Christmas and New Year's and I hope that the year is off to a fantastic start so far for you. I'm very, very excited and pumped up to be back doing this podcast. Got some amazing guests lined up for this year and I'm very, very excited to bring it to you and I hope that you all enjoy hearing the stories of people who've been through massive shift in their life, people that have overcome mental illness, people that have overcome addiction, and just hearing these inspiring stories so I can show you what is possible in this amazing life that we have been given. This episode, the first for the year, I have Matt Runnels on. Matt is CEO and founder of Mindful Oz, a non-for-profit organization, doing some great work in the mental health space uh, here and over abroad. Matt is also a speaker. He's spoken throughout Australia, also the US and Canada. Uh, And the reason why he is in this industry and so damn passionate about it is through his lived experience and what he has been through. And he has a very inspiring story, which uh, is going to touch you, I hope, as much as it touched me uh, and also a lot of practical things in this episode. So a lot of practical steps, things that have helped him throughout his journey and keep him on track today. Uh, I'm really excited to bring this to you. I've missed you all. Hope you miss me as well. Um, Yeah, have a listen and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Shift Happens podcast, the first episode for 2018. I'm super, super excited because I have an amazing human being sitting across from me. I've got with me the CEO and founder of Mindful Oz, a non-for-profit organization here in Australia doing amazing work in the space of mental health. I have Matt Runnels with me. Matt, how you doing? Good, mate. Exciting to be here. Excited to have you here, mate. You uh, watched the Super Bowl yesterday? I did, mate. I enjoyed a day off yesterday at the Super Bowl, a bit of self-care, so it's good. Yeah, nice. Who won? Uh, Philly, which was good. Yeah. Get rid of them. Patriots. Patriots, they always win, yeah. Yeah, I don't like I like the underdog, so that yeah. no, was good. It's All those seem to love the underdog, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Philly boy now that Ben Simmons is over there at the NBA, so Yeah, right, right. Board. I never, like I'm a sport now, I love sport, I love AFL and cricket, all that kind of stuff, but I just never got into the American sports. 
It was like I was going too deep with the Aussie stuff. I couldn't get into it, so that's why I didn't even know who won yesterday. After a couple of um, speaking tours over in America in two th- uh, 2017. Yeah. Is that I'm, what sparked your interest? Yeah, I'm obsessed with American sports now and anything American, so yeah. Because yeah. they go mad for it over they there, do. don't they? they? They blow everything up. Yeah. Much bigger than what we do over here, so <laughs> that's their number one sport, yeah. Yeah, probably that, yeah. NFL and um, NBA, probably head to head, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's good so, fun, good So, do you follow Philly in the NBA? No, I actually don't. I'm a Bulls man and have been since I was very little, so Jordan and Pippen go, and yeah, all that, yeah. Can't go jumping ship now, but how are yeah. they doing these days? Crap, <laughs> <laughs> no good. No, we're no good, mate. I hopefully try and lose a few more games and get the draft pick. I think that's about <laughs> where we're heading. It's pretty similar to me, AFL team in Carlton, so yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a blue supporter. Yeah. I'm a kangaroo supporter. I can't talk, man. Yeah, there's not much to support for at the moment. <laughs> so. Hasn't been for the last 10 years for Carlton, so... Exactly, exactly. Um, so let's talk a bit about what you're up to these days, what you're up to with Mindful Oz. You obviously uh, created this non-for-profit. When did you When did you start this? Yeah, so I was um, an ambassador for a couple of other charities in the mental health space when I first got in, um, developed my passion for trying to um, educate people or raise some awareness around mental health and suicide, and... Um, I st- just started a Facebook page called Mindful Oz in January of 2016, basically to share some of my story, but also to share some, you know, awareness posts and make people more aware about it. And, you know, within, with the demand for that and that page and the people that were inboxing me and how in demand it got, um, we, we decided to turn that into a not-for-profit organisation. And by September of 2016, that was registered as a not-for-profit. So... It wow, happened all okay. pretty quickly. This is like, yeah, pretty organic, yeah? Like yeah. You just started it for what purpose to sort of raise awareness, break yeah. some stigma? Yeah, I, like I'd massive for not standing on other people's toes in the industry and identifying that there's some really good resources and, and organisations out there. It wasn't about me running my own as such. It was more um, through my background of construction and being a plumber formally. Um, I've seen a lot of, uh, I suppose, gaps or holes in the industry where I thought... There was something that there was room there for me to make change and and to do some things that hadn't been done. So, um, yeah, I just flirted with the idea originally, and then because of the demand of that Facebook page, it was just like, well, maybe, maybe this is what I'm meant to be doing. And to have your passion and purpose align at the age of 25, 26 was was pretty, pretty awesome. Amazing, so, right? yeah, and it happened. I've got a really good team behind me with the charity, with the board of directors, and, and now a subcommittee that really helped me out and. Obviously, being a plumber, my background with all the stuff that goes along with the governance of a charity wasn't too flash. So to have these, you know, older heads at my charity that keep me in line had a bit more of an idea. Yeah, Yeah. it's been fantastic, and very grateful that I do have the team that I've got and the supports around Australia and and overseas now that help me stay aligned with what I'm trying to achieve and keep me on my um, keep me. Yeah, like aligned with what I'm trying to trying. And to what do is it you're trying to achieve? What are you guys doing at the moment? As you can see, it's sort of some workshops, speaking engagements. Yeah, so basically, um, well, the main avenue to what we do is our speaking and workshops. I'm being a public speaker myself. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got some other speakers that we outsource to as well. Um, I'm big on identifying your strengths and weaknesses. And if, as I said, said previous, um, you have the opportunity to go and speak to someone or educate an audience. It's not about me, and it's not about um, putting myself in front of every single crowd there is out there. Um, so if it's going to speak to a netball club, I identify that I'm not female, and I'm probably not gonna relate as good as I, as, as what a female would yep. walking into that audience. So it's about um, outsourcing those weaknesses. So like what the audience needs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, where I go speak to construction, and a lot of people relate to me because I've been in that industry, or you know these primary schools and secondary schools, 
often relate to me um, somewhat better than some other people because I am young and I, they can identify and relate to, to my journey and the same upbringing and demographics and backgrounds. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm only one part of the speaking um, panel of, of what we've got at Mindful, but um, we're doing workshops that um, outline the fundamentals of living well um, and we talk about resilience and leadership and all these other things that uh, that naturally come from getting to a place of wellness. So um, there are two parts to what we're doing. We now um, are outsourcing to the Rise Foundation Australia. We do mental health training, which is a great two-day two day course, 12-hour program, which is a, a worldwide accredita- accreditation. So that's a really good course too. So we're just outsourcing that at the moment. Um, and we're just developing some other things that we can't say too much about, but hush, hush. Um, yeah, uh, keep it all <laughs> quiet. But yeah, we're, we're, yeah, it's an exciting time at Mindful Oz. It's, it's happened all pretty quick and um, I'm very grateful and appreciative of where we are. And someone had said that this is where Mindful was after 16 months, I would have taken it. Absolutely. So Absolutely. very grateful. It just shows the need for it that's in the community, right? A bit more talking about the construction industry because it's something that interests me as well because I used to be a tradesman I was an air conditioning mechanic for 11 years so yeah. um, I worked with a lot of plumbers and that as well was this a gap that you saw in regards to I suppose mental health education and, and maybe coping skills and everything in that industry yeah absolutely I know that the, some of the hardest parts of my life and and through losing the mates that I have to suicide a lot of them have been in the construction background but it's more about um, we identified that you know that that leap from school across to the real world is a really hard time for a lot of people and when you don't have the education in school or the awareness or the understanding or the acceptance for mental illness or mental health for anyone everyone's got mental health so um, to jump over into the construction industry with no answers and no acceptance and understanding for what you're experiencing it become tenfold when you walk into the macho stigma of a construction site or Absolutely. a male-dominated industry. It makes it very hard to speak up. So mm-hmm. that was something that I wanted to change, and that's basically what Mindful's going to work hard towards. And while we've got our speaking and workshops there, it's um, our, our baby is going to be this construction stuff that we're doing and, um, and and targeting apprentices. It's all well and good to go out and target people that are already in the industry, and there's people out there doing that. So, again, I don't want to be that person that steps on their toes and challenges them. I'd rather educate these guys at the apprentice level so that we're, you know, we're bleeding it into them at the very get-go of their apprenticeship. So that's important to me. And I know it would have been a lot different for myself and for my mates if we had that support and that um, education and that awareness and um, when we went through our apprenticeship. So it's a big one for me. I I remember you making me think back now as well. And I remember my whole apprenticeship and the whole training and the first years and nothing on mental health. Nah. Nothing. Nothing at all. I, I, I was just speaking the other day on another radio and and it was it was I still vividly remember me going to my had a really good relationship with my trade school teachers and you'd only go in there you know for a week block every month but I developed this relationship with them where I felt comfortable speaking to them but they had no idea about mental health and they had no idea where they could send me they had no understanding or acceptance for it either and these are the guys that the teachers that were spending a lot of time with these um, apprentices that are 17 18 19 years old so Mm. when I was telling them and trying to reach out to them for help and they had no idea where to send me or what to say to me. So that's that's something that we want to work on too. It's, um, you know, we find them people that ever ask you if you're all right and it's all well and good to start them conversations, but you've got to actually have the education to go along with it. So What are the next steps, Yeah, right? that's right. So it's all well and good. It's Action's pretty important. So yeah, And that comes with an understanding and acceptance. So if we can get some education into both these teachers and um, and the kids at or I shouldn't say kids, they're adults, um, at the apprenticeship level at year one, year two, 
it'll um, it'll go a long way to reducing them statistics in the in the construction industry. Absolutely, if you can, yeah, encourage those kids. I think yeah, I was a kid back then. Like <laughs> our yeah. prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed until twenty five. So it is. We are kids, right? Back Absolutely. Then. Um, but be able to have them feel safe to speak up if they are struggling and something is going on. And then obviously, like you said, then being able to have the next steps, where can you go talk to? What are the services you can tap into? That's going to make a massive difference. And by getting it at the apprentice level, the more that just starts to bleed into the industry, you know, and then over one year, five years, 10 years, all of a sudden the industry, the perception around it starts to change. And this macho, um, keep your head down and don't talk about anything starts to disappear. That's right. It's going to take a long time and it's not something that will happen overnight. But if we do it in waves and it becomes something that's a part of the curriculum where every single apprentice has to do something mm. in regards to their um, a course or a program at the start of their apprenticeship or maybe um, part two, just before they go out and finish their trade um, or get qualified, it'll help the industry massively. Um, we can target the mature age people that are out in the field already, but we're going to miss the apprentices mm-hmm. and we're going to miss people. But if it's something that's in the curriculum and something that you have to pass as a part of your training as, an, as a plumber, as a builder, as a chippy, whatever it is, um, it's going to be important and it's yeah. going to save a lot of lives. I know that I wish I, you know, as I said before, I wish I knew that even the number to lifeline. I didn't know 13, 11, 14 when I was an apprentice. Mm-hmm. That, that's something that could save a life, yeah. you know, just, just knowing that that resource is there. And, you know, there's still a lot of people that wouldn't know that number. And, um, it, it, you know, that's basic stuff. So yeah. it needs to be out there and not just 10, 15-minute talks where someone comes out to your apprentice, uh, to your TAFE or, or wherever it is or your workplace. It needs to be something that's compulsory. Of course. I think they do that whole, yeah, come out for a 15-minute, half-an-hour talk so they can tick off and say, yeah, we've done something. Yep. But how much of that's retained and how much do people take in? Exactly. There's yeah, there's so many good people out there and organisations doing wonderful things. It's just that people don't know about them. Mm-hmm. So when we get the opportunity to put them in a curriculum or something and make people, whether they like it or not, um, and it might not um, strike a chord with them at that very time as an apprentice, but when it needs to, they'll, mm. they'll, they'll remember that of and course. they'll know. So, you know, there's, what is it, one in eight um, Australians or close to die by suicide and one in five is affected by a mental illness. So, mm-hmm. you know, I have trade school class of 25. You, you do the maths, there's kids in there that That's are heaps. visibly struggling and they're going yeah. to at some stage in their life with yeah. things. And as I said, mental health is something that we all have. So the, the place that the, pro, um, the practices and the techniques that we put in place are mindful are, are things that um, at the very least make people a better person. Um, with your compassion, gratitude and and understanding the basics of of mental health and how to look Mm. after yourself. It is an art form to stay well. So at the very least, these these guys will be better people for learning these techniques and practices. So I think it's important that we get it out there to as many as we can. Yeah, and and change that culture because that, like you said, it's a very macho kind of culture and it's that thing that, you know, not being able to be vulnerable and... uh, not, not putting yourself out there to get hurt and, and it's so damaging. I mean, it's, it's really a male thing, you know, as we grow up and we're told to be a man, you have to pull your socks up, not talk about your problems and that kind of thing. Meanwhile, suicide's the number one killer of men between ages 14 and 45 um, and, and never is that more reflective than the, from what I saw from my personal experience, but not just that, the people we get through the doors here, like we have so many people in construction and trade industries and that kind of thing who are just really struggling and they have nowhere else to turn. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it is that macho thing, and when you work on site and being a male-dominated industry, like, it's no secret that we, us males, are, um, can often be pretty pathetic about speaking up and being vulnerable and mm-hmm. talking about these sorts of things. So, 
you know, it, again, it comes with education because once everyone has that acceptance for what actual mental illness is and, and what these depression, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, what they actually are, um, we can, you know, stop being so sensitive about mm-hmm. these things and, and talk about them. Uh, I'm, I'm a big one for not this whole man up things and, you know, don't, you don't, you know, they're, they're all just, we need to get rid of that stuff as that time and that's gone, that's in the past now, that whole man up yeah. stuff, that's, you know. Get, well, there needs to be vulnerable. a different defini- definition of it. Yeah, that's right. Where manning up is actually being vulnerable and being authentic and yeah. sh- showing your scars and not being scared of that. It's an it's a absolute strength to, mm. to show your vulnerable side and to, to be able to talk about your emotions comfortably. So, mm. more and more people should do it. It's it, you know it was a big big turning point in my life when I finally you know stopped worrying about what other people thought and, and opened up. So. I'm an open book now and it's probably what keeps me really well is the fact yeah. that I don't hold anything back and that's where dramas start when you start suppressing those feelings and thoughts and they only bottle up and get worse. You need to unravel everything that you go through in life and make sure that you're talking about it and deal with it accordingly. So Absolutely. Yeah. And why are you so passionate about this, mate? What you got What got you into this, this industry? Yeah, well, I've seen and uh, been through some stuff that not a lot of 26-year-olds have. Um, I've lost my first mate to suicide when I was 12 years old. Uh-huh. Um, fast forward eight years down the track, I lost my second mate to suicide. Between the ages of 20 and um, 26, I lost four more mates to suicide and... Um, and I lost a school teacher also when I was back at high school. So my passion and drive through both being a mental health advocate and running Mindful is driven by the loss of those six mates. Mm-hmm. Um, but what makes it easier for me to to have this purpose and passion is the fact that I've also been through it and live, I still live it day to day. I'm diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I have chronic suicidal ideations, you know. Um, I live the same things that the, I know what my mates went through that have now gone. So it's a combination of both knowing what it's all about, but also that real passion comes from wanting to make a change so that I, one, as selfish as it sounds, I don't want to lose any more mates or, or loved ones to suicide. And I definitely don't want anyone else out there taking their life um, with their own hands because suicide is preventable. It just starts again, harp on the same same words it's that education that awareness that acceptance and that understanding for what we experience and that's a that's the um process we follow at mindful it, it starts with an education once we have an education we get an understanding once we find an understanding we get acceptance mm-hmm. once we have acceptance we can find hope mm-hmm. and once we find hope we have the ability to, to either recover or, or manage what we're experiencing and that's that's what it is for me uh, bipolar mm-hmm. is not i'm not going to wake up tomorrow my bipolar disorder is going to be gone mm-hmm. you know i know i'm going to still have a lot of bad days but I no longer take the good days um, for granted. Mm -hmm. And I accept that I'm gonna have those bad days, but each day is another opportunity to keep working on yourself and become a better person. And and I know with the acceptance that I have for what I experience now, what I've been able to do and and more resilient that I've been able to come over the last 12 months is blows me away still sometimes Mm -hmm. to see how well I am and and to see where I actually was at some point in my life. So it can be done and, 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 and it's good. The importance of that lived experience is to show people that, like myself, that it can be done and everybody deserves to live well, happy, fulfilling and enjoyable life and, and they can achieve it if they really want to. Absolutely. And you mentioned a word there, hope. So I want to get your maybe definition of what the word hope means to you. We did have a bit of a uh, discussion the other day when we caught up about how, you know, people can hear the word hope and be like, oh, hope, la, 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 that kind of thing. That's not that important. What does that word mean to you? Why is that word important? Yeah, it's, um, we get a lot of controversy. A lot of people say that, you know, hope's not an action plan. Well, I totally disagree. Once you find the ability to 
um, have the ability to find hope in someone else's journey or something that's happened, you have the ability to then put in place an action plan or choose recovery or, or manage what you're experiencing like I do now. But when all hope is lost, reverse that as hopelessness. And it's, and it's a bloody hard thing to go through is a mental illness and, and get stuck in the mud with no ability to n- not being able to see the light at the end of the tunnel as such. So I think hope's the, the number one thing. It's educating the heart before we educate the mind. And, and that's what lived experience does. Mm-hmm. I take my hat off to all the clinicians and, and professionals and therapists and, and the people that do research out there. They do a wonderful, wonderful job. But I think it's a team game. And if we want to change the way that mental illness is both um, perceived and treated, we need to utilise lived experience. Yes. It's those people that have been through it that give people the hope that if he can do it, I can do it. And that's what, 100%. and that's that's what happened for me. I still every day is a part of my wellness plan is, is um, is reading more about people's lived experiences and journeys. Yeah, it's identifying that what's got them through it, because what they what they're doing, maybe I can adapt and become. I can utilize them techniques to 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 better my wellness. So, mm-hmm. I still look up people's journeys and I love reading stories about it. I love going and watching guest speakers and talk about what they've been through. It's that that gives you that hope that if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. So. As I said, if you reverse that, it's hopelessness and it it, is. you get stuck in the mud. It's so different. It's either like it's a spiral upward or a spiral downward, I try and think. It's like yep. hope is just believing that it's possible. And it's like if we uh, don't have that hope and we don't believe it's possible, we're not hearing about inspiring stories of people who've overcome amazing things. We've got these blinkers on and the blinkers get really narrow. So we just see this really narrow view in front of us. And any opportunities, anything that we might be able to do outside of that, we don't pursue. And we just keep going down this spiral deeper and deeper and seeing things horribly. But as soon as we start to understand that it's possible, someone else inspires us and we can get a bit fired up. It's like the blinkers widen and we start to see more of the world. All of a sudden, we might see an opportunity. We'll go to a health store and talk to someone. We'll go to a bloody yoga class or we'll go to a seminar and hear someone. But we would have never done it if we didn't have hope, Hope. if we didn't think it was possible. Exactly right. So it's it's really the catalyst to be able to heal. It's it's one of the biggest ones that was biggest as we talk about later the shift points like the when i you you have to find hope to be able to continue yeah and and i found that in hearing other people's journeys and people with lived experience and seeing what they'd been through and going well hey there's nothing that separates them from me it's just that you know i'm at the very rock bottom of life right now but i've found a little bit of hope and it might only be a little bit but that little bit might might um might be something that i can from then on grow into a wellness plan and put something in place and go well I've got something to hang on to from yeah. from here on in. So hope's huge. But you I, won't put in a wellness plan. You won't book in to go and see someone and speak about it if there's lost. no hope. That's <laughs> it's, right. It's you won't do it. That's when someone goes, you know, the friend will come over and go, oh, hey, mate, um, I just saw this incredible person speak. Or I'd love for you to come see them. If you haven't got hope, you'd be like, nah, not for me. That's right. No, I always say when out public speaking, it's um, the brain's the most powerful tool in the body. And when it's working for you, uh, you can conquer the world. Mm. And I'm seeing that now with what I'm doing and how well I am, yep. that things do fall into place. It's law of attraction. Good things happen to good people, yeah. really do. And I bet um, there was a point in your life where you didn't think that. Absolutely not. Yeah. To, to think that now I can very functional, highly functional, you know, and, and operate the way I do on a daily basis now is just like, wow. I still remember getting diagnosed with depression and she told me that I was a 5% check, that I'd fall in this bracket of people that may take their lives. And it was like she had no hope. Yeah. She told me that I'd never, ever be able to rid myself wow. of that. of that. And I still remember that vividly because I walked home going, 
well, sh- she's not just pat me on the back and said that everything's going to be all right. She's told me that everything's not going to be. She all right. basically said good luck. Yeah, fuck. So it's that sort of stuff that you know. Yeah, that yeah, gives like, you hope a bit of a hit, doesn't it? it does. <laughs> so you know, you instill hope in people, and that's the power of lived ex- expertise, mm-hmm. and and that's why. Like, People ask for your bios and, and want to know what you're all about and when you walk on stage. And, and, it, as, and I've gathered this from my good mate Kevin Hines over in America and he's one of the best at it. But we are just storytellers. Mm-hmm. That's all we are. There's nothing more fancy than, than that. We're no better than anyone else. And my story's no better than anyone else's. But if you, someone can resonate to my story um, and, and words are so powerful and you mm-hmm. articulate them and put them in the right order at the right time for someone... That could be their little bit of hope and that can be the difference in between them choosing life or not. So it was for me and I, n- I just hope that when I tell my story, you know, we target one in the crowd. But we know that the power of, of lived exper- experience speakers is, is far, does for, far more um, beneficial work than, yeah. than, than, than if we didn't speak up yeah. and tell our stories. So it's people that, like myself, you can turn it in a full 360. You can go from, you know struggling and, and being down in the dumps and, and at the very rock bottom of life like I said I was but now it's it's that reverse where now I have a passion and a purpose and, and now going from being the hardest thing in the world was speaking up at one stage to now I do it on a on a daily basis and that, and as selfish as it sounds it's compassion and compassion is selfish because the best the, the person that profits the most out of being compassionate and sharing my story is me of course because I get this rewarding feeling yep. like no other mm-hmm. Um, and, and as selfish as that sounds, so but it's a it's like it's selfish, a, but yeah. for the betterment of others. As That's well. right. It's a win-win situation. You're trying to help other people at the same time. Sharing my story and doing what I'm doing now is something that keeps me very well. So yeah, yeah, I'm very grateful for where I've got it. to. I love it. Let's um maybe delve back. Can you think of maybe one time in your life where it was one of your big lows? Uh, maybe a low that led to a big shift in your life. So maybe a low that ended up being the catalyst for you to start to turn things around is there one in particular that comes up for you yeah i've got several i've it's been an up and down journey over the last eight years but um since since first diagnosed um i moved away um as a as a last resort like i've you know speaking with my dad and my mother on a regular um basis back when i was just just diagnosed with depression and anxiety at the age of 20 19 20 and it was basically as a last resort, we shifted me away to Queensland and it was just for a change. We just, we, we didn't know what else to do. Was this um, when you were, was that when you were first diagnosed that you were told like you'll fall into that bracket and yeah. basically like, okay. And because yeah. of the no education and no awareness, like I said before, no understanding for what it was. I just thought that going in and seeing a doctor and getting some antidepressants and, and talking to a GP or a psychologist was, was the be all and end all. And if that didn't work, well that was all there was because of the lack of understanding and education I had Mm -hmm. so we shifted away from me to Queensland when I was um, 20 years old I moved up there by myself and I really only just plateaued for a long time you know I ended up staying up there for two two and a half three years but I plateaued and I never really got any better because I had again I had no acceptance for what I was experiencing yeah but it was my rediscovery of the hope visible in other people's kindness towards me that enabled me to find my strength within. Um, I had a short stint where I was homeless and I, this is a story I often tell and is one of the massive turning points in my life. Uh, as I said, it was at rock bottom. I was very suicidal. I'd had a suicide attempt by this stage um, and I ended up homeless. Like I was at the very, very bottom of life and 
we have this thing in all around the world, um, and I see it all every day in Australia, where we have the ability to show apathy, which is the ability to walk past someone who's visibly down and out, upset, lost, whatever it may be, and not give a shit, and to go, well, it's it's not my problem, it's theirs, and keep walking. And that's what I had happen to me for a long time. A lot of people knew exactly what I was going through. As I said, I was an open book, but people didn't do anything to help me. Even though, yes, a lot of the onus is on myself to, 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 to evolve, like I wasn't doing enough for myself, but there was, not, there was no one that offered me the support and help and treatment that I, that I needed or the push along or someone to grab me by the collar and say, mate, only you can change the outcome here. Mm-hmm. Um, until that day where I still remember that I had a family, Holly, um, is my best friend, Holly Alexander up in Queensland and her mother, Aurora. They were, she's, Aurora Alexander's a single mum of five kids and she took me in off the street the ability to show empathy mm-hmm. to go hey yes he's not my problem but i'm going to make him my problem and i'm going to take him in and i'm going to better his life mm-hmm. and she did and she kept me I, I was housed with her and her daughters and and what i call my brothers and sisters now yeah. um for eight months and they kept me well and it was that hope that they sh- and the kindness and empathy that they shown towards me that enabled me to find my strength within and and only when that happened was I able to recognise how strong I could actually be as well. So um, that was a massive shift in my life and, and they basically kept me alive for that eight months until we um, sent me packing back home down to mum and dad here in Victoria and got me back around my, my family and my supports. Mm-hmm. And that was a massive turning point for me. It wasn't it didn't been, wasn't by any means that I was healed or recovered or everything was kosher from then on in. Still a very difficult journey for the next three, four years, but they guided me into a place of, of wellness and got mm-hmm. me back to where I needed to really be. So I, I do owe them a ton. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah there's a massive change in point in my life. And I'm very grateful for them. And yeah, I've got a second family up in Queensland. They mean the world to me. So Amazing, yeah. amazing. And then what was it like after you came back? Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was awesome to be back down here and um, be around my family and, and, my, and my supports and, and, and whatnot. And yeah, it, it, again... I didn't have that acceptance for it still. You know, I, I pissed fired around for a lot of years there and didn't really try and better myself um, and didn't try and evolve. I just thought that this thing would be something that it'll go one day, it'll disappear. I mm-hmm. won't always feel like this. Truth was, it wasn't going to go anywhere and it wasn't going to change for me unless I changed it myself yeah. and went out there and actually started to have an acceptance for what I was experiencing and learn and, and with discipline put into, these, put into place these practices that now keep me well. How, so, did, how did you come to that place of acceptance? Um, this is another one of these um, shifts that's, you know, life-changing for me. When I, you know, This is something that's only very still fresh with me as um, I lost one of my mates, Sean, on November 24th, um, 2016. And it was going to... I had this weird, weird, weird experience where I sat at his funeral and I didn't know any of his friends or family. I knew what I was to him. But I, you know, that was a different sort of friendship group. And there would have been 800 to 1,000 strong at this funeral of, of people visibly just really distraught. They were broken. And I sat there and all I could see with his mother up on stage was my mum. And all I could see with his head on the screen was my head. Mm-hmm. And then when I turned around and looked at everyone crying, all I could see was my friends crying. And it was this weird experience that that would have been what I would have put my family and friends through if six years ago... I did end up taking my life mm-hmm. um, and that was a real shift in me and even more so after that funeral when we had the wake and there would have been you know again 400 people celebrating Sean for the way he 
you, you deserve to be remembered, all the fun times and having a drink as you do. And it wasn't then when I didn't get to have a drink at his, fun- at his wake. Um, I had person after person who could identify with me, with Mindful and what I was doing in advocacy. They'd come up and, and ask question after question or they wanted answers or clarity and they wanted to know more about it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't then until I realised with them two experiences that day that there was more... I had a purpose. I had a passion. That passion's always been there, but the purpose was there now. Mm-hmm. And to see how many people that I could positively impact was like, well, Matt, you've got to... You've got to first, if you want to do this properly, you've got to get yourself well. Yep. I can't be up on stage or promoting or be on a podcast like this promoting and preaching to people all these things of wellness when I wasn't doing it myself. And that was the case for a long, long time. So it was in getting a new reassessment and in a new diagnosis. I knew for years that I probably had bipolar disorder. It's probably something I've had since I was a kid. Um, But now I've been able to say, well, hey, I don't really care what other people think. And bipolar is just another word. Mm -hmm. Nothing changes. I'm still the same person. And unless I told people, they probably wouldn't actually recognise that I I do have bipolar. Mm -hmm. So I just had to get past that and go, you know what? If I'm going to do this properly, I've got to, I've got to do what I'm encouraging everyone else out there to do, and that was to go in and get the help and treatment that I required, get myself well, and, and start doing things with discipline every single day. Mm-hmm. Not for seven days and leaving it for one day, and doing it for another three and not doing it for three. It was doing it every single day and get myself to a place of, of wellness so I could help these people the best I could. As, yeah. as speaking with you the other day, it's, it's that you, get, you could get one chance to positively impact someone. That they might be hanging on, like we said before, to dear life. If I'm not in the best headspace and I'm not at my best, mm-hmm. I'm doing them an injustice. Yep. So I've, I have to be well to do what I do. And I've noticed a massive difference in the amount of people that I've been able to help or reach out to, or, you know, people come through our inbox asking for help and it won't be, I won't be going, oh, no, another one, because I'm well. I'm going, hey, challenge accepted, mm-hmm. here we go, yep. time to work. And it's good, and I enjoy what I do and being able to do what I do. So, yeah, it's um, it's been good. It's been really good. And so that did that acceptance come by being at the wake and then seeing this bigger purpose? Yeah. In that, well, hang on. If I've got this bigger purpose and this message to spread, I had to go through all that stuff. Yeah. In order for me to have that lived experience and be able to help people. That's right. And uh, as I say all the time, like, there was a point in advocacy where I. I didn't necessarily love or enjoy what I did. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had to do what I did. Yep. I had. I have to tell this story. I have to go out there and public speak. I have to run workshops because it would be selfish almost of me to to know what I do and to have been through what I have been been through and, and not share it and not help other people with that journey. It's a journey that can help people. So for me to sit there and keep quiet while people around me are visibly struggling, knowing that I could do something would be really selfish of me. Mm-hmm. So... That was that was my shift, and and as I said, that was only November of 2016. Uh, yeah, 2016. So it is it is still very fresh. It's only you know just over a year. Of so um, every day is about evolving and becoming a better person that I can be, and and add more strings to my belt so I can help people in a more beneficial way. So. Did you find more enjoyment in what you were doing from that point? Absolutely, I absolutely love and enjoy yeah. what I do now mm-hmm. because I'm so well. Yeah. Um, and as the more things that I learn and the techniques that I embrace every day um, to combat what I go through is another thing that I can resource to people yeah. that they can use. And, yeah. and I, know, I know everyone's different and not everyone's going to be able to 
um, do the same things that I do to stay well. Or they're not, you know, they're not going to find wellness out of the same things that I do. But there is a lot of people out there that will. Of course. And they're very basic practices. Let's get into it. Yeah. Let us know, mate. What are some of the things? <laughs> what are the, some of the things you do? daily or weekly or, or just things that keep you on track and have benefited you the most yeah so at mindful um i say at mindful <laughs> mindful being me i do things on a holistic approach and as i said the more of them that i can embrace and and adapt and 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 have on my belt my tool belt the better i my um analogy of it is like combat sport like a jiu-jitsu or taekwondo mm-hmm. the better fighter of my mental illness i am the more you get your colours on your belt. Yep. You become a, you start off white or whatever it is and you end up black, three-stripe black it might be. And it's finding more tools and techniques and practices to get to that top belt Yeah. to become a better fighter. And that's yeah. a better fighter of your mental illness. Of course. And I love the tool. I use that tool belt analogy as well. It's just we've yeah. got all these tools on and there's stuff that you might use every day like the hammer. Then all of a sudden the some sort of mental demon creeps in. You're like, oh, yeah, no, no, I remember I saw you two months ago. I use this tool for that. Yeah, And absolutely. you've got it there ready to go. Absolutely. And... I, um, you know, I, I, exercise has always been a huge one for me. I've always been, love my sport and find a lot of um, clarity and it's my outlet and escape is sport and exercising. And I still remember when I did a, you know, 240 kilometre trot for, to, to raise money for mental health and I broke down. I was out of action for 18 months. I could barely walk, let alone exercise. And to not have exercise all of a sudden, I fell straight back in that hole of dark and dangerous mm-hmm. thoughts because I just lost that one thing that was keeping me well. So that's why it's about developing as many tools and um, techniques that I can so that when exercise, if I get injured out here today, you know, I've got a backup plan. I've got other things that I can do. You shouldn't get injured in here. (laughs) (laughs) But there's every chance that I could fall down them steps. (laughs) So, yeah, it's just about it. Um, Being able to replace something, If you know, if I'm not eating well and I'm, you know, whatever, I've got backup plans. If I can't exercise because I'm injured or I'm sore, I've yeah. got other things I can do. Mm-hmm. So exercise, yeah. nutrition, and nutrition something that I've only just sort of adapted. I've been pretty pathetic with that over the last 26 years. So we're getting the better now, but I've noticed a difference in that already since eating, eating well. Um, compassion, obviously my job, there's a lot of compassion, but there's nothing more rewarding than helping people that can never help you in return. Mm-hmm. And and I find I'm at my most well when I'm doing this with Mindful and when I'm out there helping people, when I'm public speaking, mm-hmm. doing that sort of stuff. So. And it's a good trait for anyone to have, let alone someone that's got a mental of illness. It's, it should be part of everyone's daily wellness plan. You know, how much better would the world be if everyone was compassionate? They're more compassion, less judgment. That's That'd right. Be the, way to go. Um, the other ones, so mindfulness, hence why we're called mindful. I, you know, there's two days, there's only one day of the year that I can change. And that's right now, that's today. Mm-hmm. I can't change tomorrow and I can't change yesterday but I can work on today. So it's about being in the moment and being present with things and it reduces a lot of stress and worry. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of techniques and tools that go with being mindful. It's not just a sake of being mindful. Um, but yeah, taking everything in and, and not rushing through life and experiencing everything and being grateful for um, what I experience. Moving and on to gratitude is the next one. And so that's so a bit more on that mindful stuff. So is that... Are you just trying to practice being in the moment? Are you doing things slower than you would normally do? Is it like a concentration thing? How do you go about it? Absolutely. It's taking everything in um, and, and slowing life down. Uh, if it does, you realise that it does go pretty quick <laughs> as you get a little bit older. Um, but yeah, it's just trying to take everything in and it reduces a lot of stress and worry. If I'm living in the moment, I can't, I'm not worrying about tomorrow. I'm not worrying about the next situation. Um, it's been a massive benefit to me i have a lot of practices that i put in place with my mindfulness um you know like for an example i remember getting off planes and this is one for 
my mate Sam Webb from the Living Charity. We, we've spoken to each other and we're, we wanted to get off the plane as soon as we could when we were touring America. And we were rushing around the airport like losers and stressed out of our brains trying to make flights. And we're like, mate, what are we doing? <laughs> so simple practice we put in place. We said, all right, we were seated up the very front of the plane. We could have got off first. And we're like, we're going to get down five people's bags off, this, off the top rafter and give them to them. And we're going to sit back down. So we're going to give five bags each. Then we're going to sit down in our chair and we're going to be last off the plane. One, we just showed compassion. We're helping people out. We're pulling bags down. Yeah. Secondly, we sit back in our chair and sit down for five minutes and just just relax. Yeah. And then walk through the airport, not rushing like an idiot. It's stuff and like that. And you still that. made all your flights, of right? Of course. <laughs> but with a little less stress. So, you know, they're very. it's a very simple thing, mindfulness. But once you... I can't remember last time I really stressed or got worried about anything. And that, for me, is huge. That's mm. a massive turnaround. I used to be the biggest stress head. I'd, you know, I'd be worried about everything and get anxious and worked up about different things, which leads to anger. Yeah. And then I become an angry person. So, you know, I can't remember last time I got angry at someone. Like, nice. It's just, it's, it, it's, but it's got to be done with discipline. It's not something that I go, okay, I'm going to be mindful today and everything's going to be cool. Yeah. I do things on di- with a discipline, so I do it every single day. Because then you're thinking about the future, aren't you? That's right. I'm going to be mindful later today. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Good example. So yeah. that, that leads to, um, you know, as I said before, we've got gratitude. I practice gratitude every single day. And it's not as if I'm, this is groundbreaking stuff. I'm pretty sure there's like five, there's, there's a lot of organisations out there that do the same things as what we're, what, mm-hmm. as the same practices and tools that I do to stay well. I know the Resilience Project is really good for it. Their app's really good practices, you know, exercise, nutrition, gratitude. Um, and then with mindfulness, you've got your meditation. Like I used to brush meditation, go, I'm not doing that shit. But I only do 10, of it, 10 minutes of it a day before I go to bed. Mm. But my sleep has been tenfold since yeah. I've just relaxed and, and, and just, again, it's that mindfulness. It's before I go to bed, I'm practicing that gra- that gratitude, what I'm grateful for that day. Yeah. But then I set goals for what I want to achieve the next day. So mm-hmm. the things that I'm going to bed with is drive and energy for the next day. Yeah. And I'm not getting worked up about anything that happened that day because I've, I've penned that day down. That day's done. Yes. Tomorrow is what it's all about. And that's the only that, day I can change. Is that what the 10 minutes meditation looks like? It's that gratitude piece or is that... I, it, I just finish off after I do all the gratitude with a, um, a, a meditation piece, just mm. a very simple piece, just to relax myself and to sink into my bed before I try and go to sleep. So nice. you're ending the day instead of going to bed with all these, geez, I'm pissed off at that bloke or that happened or this bloke, which used to be me. Yeah. Um, to now I'm going, okay, I'm very clear-headed. I know what I want to achieve tomorrow. I know how I'm going to go about it. Now it's time for bed. I'm yeah. very grateful that I'm here today and every day and grateful that I'm in this bed yeah. for one. So it's, it's just very it's, simple it's stuff. It's simple, but that's so, so powerful, especially the before bed thing because our subconscious mind does so much processing while we sleep. That's why we have all these crazy dreams and all that kind of jazz. So all this processing, right? So we're essentially marinating throughout the night in whatever predominant thoughts we have before we go to bed. And what do most people think about? That my boss pissed me off today. Oh, I can't believe my friend's doing that. Yeah. I can't believe I haven't got enough money to pay my bills this month. So you worry, worry, worry. So then you marinate in worry overnight. And yeah. then what do you wake up like? Fucking stressed. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you do actually get your head down and get to sleep at the end of it. So I, used right. to, I had sleep, severe sleep insomnia. And now I sleep, I would be lucky to sleep two and a half hours a week when I had sleep insomnia. Mm-hmm. I was a zombie. Wow. Now I have the ability to sleep eight to 10 hours a night. Yeah. And I 
can't remember the last time I woke up stressed or angry. I'm like, oh, jump out of bed. That's yeah. huge. There was someone that was Massive. so depressed and so low. I didn't want to get out of bed. And now I, 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 beat, I don't set an alarm. I beat my alarm up every day. You yeah. know, I bounce out of bed with energy to go and achieve whatever I want to achieve that day. So yeah. that's, that. again... It so that intention that you're setting before you go to bed is coming to fruition the next absolutely, morning. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah, I bounce out of bed every morning with like, I can't wait. And now Mondays are that day that I can't wait to go back to work and I can't yeah. wait to do what I enjoy doing and, and um, yeah, it's, it, it, can, it can be achieved by anyone. It's just, you know, if I can do it, anyone can. So, yeah. And it's not something that I'll just drop off now because I am well. I've got to keep doing this every day. With that's discipline. a trap people could fall into. Absolutely. And that's the thing where, you know, we talked about this the other day, it's where people sit there and go, everything's going to be okay. And they pat you on the bum, give you a kiss on the cheek and tell you that everything's going to be all right. Whereas people need to be told that everything's not going to be all right unless you work your ass off for it. Mm-hmm. You know, this bipolar, I don't wake up tomorrow morning and go, oh, shit, hopefully that's gone. It's going to be there. And if I don't do these things and use them tools on that taekwondo belt as such, mm-hmm. I'm going to fall back into that same dark place that I know I have and will so often. So um, it's about waking up tomorrow and doing things with discipline. I'll do it again tomorrow. Um, and I put them practices into place. I set aside, there's 1,440 minutes in a day. You only need 26 minutes of those for exercise a day. Mm. There's 26 minutes of exercise equates to 12 hours of good positive brain health. Yeah. You know, you've obviously set aside your time to eat. There's two of my wellness plans already ticked off. Um, with compassion, it only takes one minute to send a text message, just tell someone you love them. Mm. And it might be one of my practices that I'm shouldn't say this to any policeman out there, but sometimes it's a matter of being on my phone in my car and yeah. I message fi- at a traffic light and I message five of my mates to tell them that, hey, I'm still relevant, I still care about you and I'm still here. Yeah. And it's compassion. So whether they write back or look at their phone and go, piss off dickhead or whatever it is. <laughs> they, it's, it's, as I said, it's a selfish trait. I, I know I feel better yeah. for doing that. And they then might know that I'm still there for them and I'm still here if you it's need to chat about it. It's creating a positive ripple. It's so it's so powerful. And like you said, it's for you, it's like 26 minutes out of a day. And there's and compassion. There you go. That takes five minutes to yeah. send five text messages. Yeah. Um, you know, mindfulness, meditation, 10 minutes. So you've got 1,440 minutes in a day. If you can't prioritise that day to make yourself well, yeah. you're doing yourself an injustice. Yeah. And it, oh, I don't have enough time. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> Absolute bullshit. So I don't have enough time to do a 10-minute meditation. You should do an hour meditation then. Yeah. Or I, I read something yesterday and it was like saying that you don't have enough time for your wellness or your mental health or that kind of thing is like saying when you're driving and you're running out of fuel and you're like, I can't get fuel, I'm too busy driving. Yeah. It's just, you're going to run on empty at some point. My, um, you know, Kevin Hines over in the States, he's a perfect example of it. He knows that his exercise is crucial to his day and his wellness. He travels from state to state sometimes numerous, you know, two, three states in one day doing speaking gigs. He's in hotel to hotel. Do you reckon he can, has excuses to find that he doesn't have a gym or a regular gym or a routine? He, I've, I've been in the same hotel room with him and he does his exercise within that hotel against his own body weight, but he does that 26 minutes because he knows that that 26 minutes is going to go a long way to him having a really enjoyable and, and the best day he can. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, well, I, I don't take them excuses as I don't have enough time to do stuff. We've got 1,440 minutes in a day. If you don't have 26 of those to, you know, put some body weight against yourself or do some push-ups or, or go for a walk or go yeah. for a jog, you're doing yourself an injustice. For your own benefit, for your 26 own minutes to have health. a good day. I'll, yeah. I'll do that deal every day of the it's week. It's a good deal. Exactly right. <laughs> it's very simple. So same thing with gratitude, to be able to sit there and, 
as I say, you know, I don't sit there and pen gratitude at the end of the day and go, I'm grateful I'm alive or I'm grateful that I have fuel in my car or I'm grateful that I have a roof over my head. Practice the little, little, little things of mm-hmm. gratitude. Like I'm really grateful that my bottle of water here is filled up. I'm grateful that I'm in this chair sitting with you talking right now because if we don't appreciate them little moments, we're missing out on positivity. Yeah. And every chance to be positive, it's going to lead to a more... Missing um, out on life. That's right. So, And we do often... We just celebrate the big milestones, but we've got to celebrate all the little ones in, in getting to the big, to the to the end goal. So, yeah, um, again, takes ten minutes to practice gratitude every day. So we're talking here: exercise, nutrition, compassion, gratitude, mindfulness. Yep, meditation. Um, um, what else we got out there? I also find, you know, your outlets and escapes is really important. And again, obviously, sports a huge one for me. But see now, like. I do, as I was talking to you the other day, I started colouring in. Like, I'm 26 years, 26 years old. I'm doing colouring in books for 10 minutes a day mm-hmm. because it helps me control my ad- uh, my anger, my agitation and irritability. Yep. It's another one that, you know, it's not for everyone. But colouring in, it might be for someone going for a drive or it might be photography or it might be, um, ah, you name it. There's so many things out there that people can do. Yeah. Um, but you just, as I said, it's adding more strings to that belt, to that bow. So... Um, yeah, if it's 10 minutes the side of a night that I sit there and colour in because it's going to calm me down and, and just relax me and, and get rid of some um, some agitation and some irritability, just get it done. Why wouldn't you do it? Just get it done. <laughs> just get it done. Just get it done. <laughs> so, yeah, I've noticed a massive change in myself since I've approached all this. And, and again, it's with discipline. I harp on the same things. I do it every single day. Yeah. Um, and I know that it gives me the best opportunity at um, having a good day today. And it's so, working, clearly. Absolutely. So, yeah. Law of attraction, mate. Put good things out into the universe, good things will come back. Absolutely. I've got a few more questions for you here. What negative emotion or thought pattern do you think has held you back the most in your life? Yeah, shame and guilt. Okay. Um, Obviously, the stigma around mental illness is something that um, doesn't allow people to speak up and and get vulnerable without that fear of being mocked and judged. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something... See, you know, I sit here and say I'm an open book, but I still... I still, with mental illness carries the stigma that it does, I still second guess and question everything that I do mm-hmm. in terms of being an advocate. I always go, shit, maybe I should just go back to being a plumber and being a, just, you know, doing what I was doing. Life would be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I still get worried about what people think of what I'm doing and what I say. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that I speak so openly about what I ex- go through. Sometimes loud in restaurants and I see people move away. I see people look at me and go, well, wow, freak or whatever, he's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. Um, which crazy is a word that I hate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's often often used to describe people that are just misunderstood. So um, shame and guilt, that's it's the big ones for me. I f- still feel a lot of um, shame in, in the stuff that I've done and caused people, but also um, being able to speak up. I still feel embarrassed and stuff like that sometimes, and I shouldn't. But there'll be days where I'm, I'm like, I don't care. And then mm-hmm. there's other days it's like, geez, I actually have gone too far in this journey to just, just wipe it all clear and go back to being a plumber. But, of you know, sometimes I do second guess myself and question, yeah. geez, would, would things be different if I never told anyone that I have mm-hmm. bipolar disorder? So, mm-hmm. but wouldn't change it for the world. And, and, and I, can, I can sit here and advocate for people to speak up and, and not to worry about that shame and guilt because it is just a, it's a, it's a fear of your imagination. Like it's, it's, it's non-existent. There is no f- shame in what we're doing. There's... Oh. And people shouldn't mock a pain that they've never endured. Of course. So, but yeah. um, and that happens to me as well. And I think it's, I, I don't expect 
it to ever stop to have those odd days where you're like oh, i don't know if i should yeah. say this or what am i doing and that kind of thing i think i think everyone gets uh, gets that yeah um but God, you, you should never want to go back to being a plumber. Maybe nah, the work nah. that you're yeah, doing. Maybe that was a bit of a stretch. No, no, no. I get it because I've had days like that as well. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'd go back and get a, be a tradie and that kind of thing. Yeah. It'd be easy, but um, you can't. Yeah, because you know people say, "Oh, Matt, you shouldn't tell people that you have this, this, and this." But I'm like, that's the battle we're fighting. Yeah, we've got to get past that place of being so ins- insensitive where we judge someone for what they're experiencing like i didn't choose bipolar disorder i didn't choose yeah okay i've made some mistakes and i've had i've you know had suicide attempts but that's not something that should make people define me by who i am Mm. if anything i'm very grateful that i have experienced what i have because it's made me a better person and i wouldn't have got to this place by being a plumber by by not experiencing what i have Mm -hmm. um so I'm very grateful in a a very very strange way that i have experienced all that i have experienced and you it's just crafted me into the person that I was meant to become. It's just taken an odd route and, yeah. Um, yeah so. Mate, mindful Oz doesn't exist if you haven't gone through what you've been through. Absolutely just not. Just like the Melbourne Centre of Healing doesn't exist if I didn't went through what I went through. Exactly. You know, it's these greatest voids that we have in our life that creates our greatest value. Yeah, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's um, Obviously, I'd love to I'd do anything, have a beer or see my mates again that I've lost, but... yeah. Um, they are the driving force behind what I do, and I'm 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 now living a life that I'd never have dreamt of. Mm. So I'm yeah. very grateful, and this wouldn't have happened if I didn't experience what I have. So of course, yeah, of course, love it. All right, what are we, what are you working on at the minute yourself, self development wise? Is there some area of your life that you're focusing on right now and trying to improve? Um, obviously, yeah, as I said before, nutrition's a big one for me. Yeah, yeah tell <laughs> us about that. What's happening there? I've just uh, I've never eaten some, I've never eaten healthy in my whole life. It's probably the cause of a lot of my dramas um i've just um started a 16 week body challenge one it's to get my confidence back in myself um you know i've been stripped of a lot of my confidence experiencing what i have and mm-hmm. and again with the stigmas that happened so you know it's this isn't just about looking good with body wise and this transfer transformation it's, a, it's about nutrition i'm starting to eat healthy my clarity and everything's you know it speaks for itself everyone knows how you know what you put into your body is it's got a big part to play mm-hmm. um but I'm doing things with discipline and that's the big thing. Like I've already achieved my goal weight in 21 days. I've still got a hundred something days left. <laughs> but that next hundred days is about achieving discipline yep. and learning about myself when I do stick to something for that long. It, you teach you teach yourself and you learn a lot about yourself mm-hmm. when you stick to something with discipline. And you do go. you find your confidence grows when you do that? Absolutely. And my yeah. confidence is also growing from, um, you know, being back in the gym and doing this body transformation challenge with discipline. It's opened up a string of things that are part of my wellness plan. It's got my nutrition. It's um, it's got my exercise, and now it's got with discipline. It's got four, three or four strings in that. In this, just doing this body challenge, there's more, more to it than just losing some weight and looking good. But yeah. it is. It, That's it's a good byproduct, though. It is. <laughs> look, look good, feel good. It is. It's not just a cliche thing. It's, it's true. Um, when you get confidence back in your body and yourself, and you feel good with the. Because confidence or self-esteem, whatever word you want to use, that bleeds onto every other area. Absolutely. That bleeds onto your social relationships, your romantic relationships, the public speaking that you're doing, your other work. Like it goes into every area. And that was huge for me when you mentioned public speaking. Like I'm up on stage now quite a bit and in front of cameras and, you know, photos and whatnot. And I don't want to look like shit. And I don't want to, if I want to be the best version of myself as I can be, Mm -hmm. I want to be up there looking the best I can and being a good role model. Like I can't blow out like I did um, and put on 10 kilograms and and go into that dark place again Mm -hmm. and go up there and try and preach these things. So 
it's not just about Matt Runnels doing this body transformation challenge because Matt wants to be ripped. It's about Matt making sure that he's doing all the right things mm-hmm. so that the people that look up to Matt or that follow Matt's journey to get hope out of Matt's journey recognise that, yes, Matt's real. He's fallen back into them lows again, but here he is and here mm-hmm. he comes. He's doing the best he can to get back out of it and, and, and better himself. Mm-hmm. And this is just a part of that. So I'm working on that now, but um, the discipline's the big one. Is yeah. doing things every single day and not going, okay, I'm going to give it a break now because I feel really well or I'm eating well, so I'm going to have a week, a week of eating KFC. <laughs> like, I'd love to. I'd love me chalky milk back. Don't worry about that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's, that's you what You can find that's ways around on. that, mate. I've got at home uh, cacao powder that is only sweetened with stevia, which is all natural, low I'm, calories. I'm going to have to give it's it a go. It's a healthy man's chocolate milk. I, th- I think I, I drank chocolate milk of a morning with, with um, on my way to work for 20-something <laughs> since I was a kid, so yeah. I'm really missing me chocolate milk, so I might have to try that theory. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I used to, every when I was an apprentice, every morning on the way to work, I'd stop at this same servo and get two... Your sausage roll and two <laughs> bottles of V. Oh yeah, every fucking morning. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's it. That, that's been a go-to for years as well. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just noticing the way that you know I'm only, as I said, I'm only twenty or thirty days into this challenge. But the way that I'm able to now help people that come through my inbox or need help or need me to resource something for them or need answers, I don't go. Oh, I'm so drained. I'm tired. Of this is that. I'm sick of this shit. Mm-hmm. Because you do. You are. It is a big role. You are taking on yep. a lot of responsibility and. We have thousands and thousands of people that ask for my help. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in a good spot, one, I'm doing them an injustice because I'm not giving them the best feedback and answers that I can. Mm-hmm. But also, I go downhill because that's a lot of people to deal with. Yep. But now I'm like, bring it on. It's challenge accepted. I'm in a good mm-hmm. spot. Let's go. Let's roll. It's, it's go time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've noticed that the clarity and, and the energy that it's given me that now that I've, I'm partaking in this body challenge for yeah. sure. So it's been... Been awesome. I love it. Tell me a bit more about the public speaking in regards to how have you found that journey of being doing a lot more speaking? Have you gone like nerves wise and confidence wise? It's something <laughs> yeah. I think about a lot, so I'm interested. Oh shit, yeah. I um, <laughs> it's an emotional roller coaster, mate. I absolutely love it, but it's the prior to speaking that five ten minutes before I go up on stage. I just want to get out. I just want to run away. I hate it. I'm the most. I'm a nervous wreck. And anyone that's seen me speak, that's close to me, they know. They see it. It's visible. Yeah. It's the sweats, the panting, the walking back and forth, the pulling your hair out, the change of three t-shirts because you've drenched all three of them. It's nerve-wracking. Like I don't think it'll ever get easier. Yeah. I'm petrified. You put an anxious, anxious person into an anxious situation, talking in front of five, ten thousand people, or talking in front of twelve. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's bloody daunting. And, and once you're up there, does that go away? It goes away immediately. It's interesting, isn't and, it? And I speak, and then sometimes I speak really fluently. I just go off the cuff, like I can't get my story wrong. My story is my story. So, yeah. you know, um, as I said, I'm a storyteller. Yeah. You know, you can call it whatever else you want, but I'm really just a storyteller. Um, and then you've got the other end of the emotional roller coaster where you walk off that stage, and it's the most, the biggest high. Yeah. Um, it's the most rewarding feeling there is, and to see the difference that you can possibly make in someone's life or you know it might be the person that comes up and just wants a hug mm-hmm. or they or they or they want a photo they want a selfie or they or they're crying and they want to share their story with you they haven't shared their story with anyone in their whole life and they've just opened up to you and you've been that person that's cracked in mm-hmm. and delved deep into their thoughts and feelings and because you opened up yeah and it gave them permission to then open and up. that's what the, the most rewarding part about being a public speaker and, and especially one in this industry of mental health and and suicide prevention is is, is seeing the emotions on, on people and what you've just achieved and what you've done. And yeah. 
it's yeah it's half I'll, an hour earlier you're wanting to get out of there with a wet shirt oh yeah i get the same like we've, I've, I'm, we've got an event on thursday night and um i just thinking about now the nerves start to come up and i'm pretty yep. fine but up until about yeah half an hour before and then yeah same i get the exact same thing yeah there's the some exact, pretty exact same thing then as soon as i'm up there talking it goes away so yep. it's all it is is anticipation that's yep. what all that fear is about yeah, when I first started public speaking, it was, it was very different to what it is now. I I didn't experience that high at the end that I'd delivered a talk and seen all the emotion on people's faces. I actually came down a lot after a public speaking gig because I sat there and stressed, oh, shit, what did I say? Did I say this oh, wrong? I was trying to analyse stuff up so I'd okay. analyse everything. So I was like, maybe speaking isn't for me because I'd actually be – I'd have to have two, three weeks off after one speaking gig <laughs> because like, I'd be like, jeez, this? This, is, this is killing me. <laughs> And now it's I I haven't experienced that in years. Now yeah. I just back in, and it's all a part of being well. So I have I know my value, I know my worth, and I know when I'm on up on stage, I can deliver a beneficial talk. So and articulate my w- words in it in yeah. a really powerful way. So and when you know your intention, so you're getting up there and speaking from the heart, yeah, with the intention to come from your heart and the intention to positively affect someone. So if you know your intention. Yep. you can't judge yourself that's right and you i can't. don't i don't anymore i walk off that stage and I, I i don't sit there and go shit what did i say or anything i go hey at at the very least no one in this room's taken anything away at this very moment yeah but that might resonate with them in five years yeah. six months and no one threw anything at me or booed nah. me. <laughs> well that hasn't happened yet but yeah. so i must be doing all right but <laughs> yeah i haven't had any tomatoes up on stage just yet but plenty of hugs and plenty of tears and and i love yeah. that stuff and yeah. i said there's nothing more rewarding in life than to um think that you've helped someone in some way um that can never actually probably help you in return mm-hmm. it's um yeah, it's a wonderful feeling love yeah. it yeah i think it's beautiful those things when you can help someone and the only way they can help is to pay it forward and create a ripple effect and yep. be able to then, you know, well, maybe the connect and help someone in their life. Yeah, and, and that's what people have done to me by that hope visible um, in other people's kindness to, and empathy shown towards me, as I said earlier. That's been a rip- positive ripple effect in many ways. They've not only enabled me to have a healthy, fulfilling and enjoyable life and get me back on track, now I'm able to pay it forward and I'm doing that in, in, this, ter- in this way of advocacy and... And, and people from my talks will be going to do the similar things. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's such a positive ripple effect in many ways. We are obviously around suicide, we I can easily identify the, the, ne- the negatives, but there is so many positives in this industry and there's a lot of people doing some really wonderful stuff. So, yeah. I love it, mate. I love it. And I think, yeah, the, we do focus on the negatives, but life's a balance. You can't have positive without negative, pleasure without pain, right? That's right. And I think the more that we are in this crazy world right now where everyone seems to be anxious and, and going through something, the more as a collective we're in pain, the more of a light, which is happening now, more of a light's going to be shone on this industry so that people can start focusing on mental wellness and stop moving away from it. Yeah. So it's an important time. It is, it is. And it's um, the more people speak about it, the, the better it's going to become for everyone. So we're just trying to work ourselves out of a job, mate. Like, you know, yeah. if your end goal in the mental health industry is to see to not have zero suicides, if that's not your end goal, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Correct. To think that, oh, that'll never be achieved, well, get out of the way because yeah. we're going to make it happen. And that's that's the only figure that makes sense. Suicide's preventable, so it should be at zero. Yes. So, yeah, if that's our end goal and we're trying to work ourselves out of a job and it might not happen in my time, but hopefully we do enough to, to make sure that... To set it on that path. Yeah, to, to make sure that that number comes down over the next you know however many years start putting some dents in that so yeah it's it's important every life matters every life matters 
Absolutely. Along your journey, I wonder if you got any recommendations when it comes to books. Are you a reader? I'm not a reader. Re- okay, let's go. Maybe <laughs> documentaries, audio books, or just resources. Maybe a course or or someone yeah. you've gone along to see speak. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So just something that, that that's helped you along the way. Books. I do have one book that I have um, I have read and I've passed on now. That and I think it's a pretty popular one out there. And I know a lot of people have read it. It's The Happiness Trap. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good one. In terms of, as I said, I'm not a re- I'm not much of a reader. I do have get sent books from people all over the world saying, Matt, you should read this. And yeah, she's stacked right a high up to the roof at the moment in <laughs> the apartment. They'll get there one day. I but. might have to come past the library. <laughs> I'll get a library card. I'll yeah. borrow a few. Yeah, you can have them, mate. They won't get rid of my joke. <laughs> so sorry to all those people that have sent me books. Um, but um, in terms, as I said, I get a lot, a lot. Um, I take a lot away out of seeing people public speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kevin Hines is one of the best in the world, if not the best, um, the way he articulates his words. His story is something else. Like it's, yeah, he was obviously put on this planet for a reason and he's achieving that now tenfold. So I love watching him speak. I've heard him speak. I've been on tour with him for months and months, but I'll never ever get sick and tired of listening to that talk. It's, you know, gives you goosebumps every time and every time you're taking something away from it. So I encourage everybody out there to follow Kevin Hines' journey. Also, he's got the doc- he's got the documentary, global documentary that's out on March 13th in America. So it'll be over in 300 different cinema screens all around the world. Um, we host Mindful's host of Mining Warrigal, nice. and that's called Suicide: The Ripple Effect, and that shows Kevin's journey. Um, and there's no better person's journey to to read and, and look into than Kevin's. But basically, shows as we just talked about the two dimensions to suicide there's obviously so kevin had an attempt like myself you there's obviously there's a very negative impact that you have on a lot of people there's a lot of people that will never forgive you for doing harming yourself or doing that stuff Um, but there's also the massive positive side that now kevin's been able to have that attempt and find wellness like myself Mm -hmm. but now goes around and shares his message around the world And, and this documentary outlines the hope visible in his story but not only that like him meeting me him meeting like all the other amazing advocates around Australia, they're they're in the film as well, um, and it shows the impact that Kevin's having on all these people. Mm-hmm. But not only Kevin, like it shows goes into detail about all these different things that he's achieved in the field, um, and all the advocates around him that are doing wonderful things around around the world. So that's that's going to be really good. I encourage everyone to well head on onto Mindful and obviously go into our screening but if you can get yeah, out of we'll, a screening anywhere else around we'll promote the promote that country, at the time yeah. Yeah, when it's so March 14th right? yeah we've got one March 14th and that's obviously it's got a little bit far away from everyone here in the that's city that's alright no but, we'll um, um, we, yeah but we'll send all that out um, the week before I'd love to come along as yeah, well yeah March out. March 10th we've got the premiere here in Melbourne yep. March 9th we've got the premiere in Sydney mm-hmm. um, so hopefully I'm um, not too sure about any more details just yet but there's going to be more screenings around melbourne of this film and i do encourage everybody to go see it and to 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 look at all the other amazing advocates that are in this country there's some absolute rippers that are doing some amazing work and i know a lot of people go oh that we need more awareness we need this we need that we've got enough really 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 empowering people and great organizations doing amazing work we just have to support them Mm-hmm. and get around them and to, and get them out there and for people to understand that the, the help is out there um, just got to identify it so there's some people doing some amazing work so if um, yeah I'm happy to outsource any of that stuff that anyone ever comes to me on our page I'm happy to point you in the direction of all these other amazing people in the country that are doing wonderful things in this space and we all offer di- different things and different approaches which is which is good because it's not a one 
one, one size yeah, fits one all. Size yeah, one size fits all. So, where can people find you? Where's the best place to get in touch with Mindful Oz? Um, obviously on our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, where uh, Mindful Oz, um, obviously spelt wrong, Mindful with a double L, Mindful, um, A U S. Um, um, I'm uh, email wise. Um, admin at mindfuloz.org and we've got our website www.mindfuloz.org and you can see what we do our workshops our sponsorship opportunities ambassadors um, our content what's on what events we've got my public speaking gigs all that sort of stuff so yeah there's plenty of ways that people can find me but if anyone ever wants to reach out and and chat needs to talk that's that's all kosher as well i'm happy to help you out and point you in the right direction we'll put all that in the show notes all those links and everything and and get people involved and what's the plans for mindful i was moving forward um, hopefully get me as many get me out there on my feet in front of people and let's get rolling on these workshops and, and these speaking gigs and, and try and touch as many people as we can in a positive way so um, I want to get out of the office I've had enough of sitting in there that's yeah. not my background that's not my strength um, yeah obviously with the mental health trainings we're get back out on the tools mate nah the no mental, chance to the mental tools yeah get on them <laughs> the plumbing tools are longer they've, they've got the flick um, so yeah and we're developing a few things that obviously I said are good quite hush about but um yeah some exciting things happening um at mindful um but with a little bit more support and some hopefully fingers crossed some more funding things will become a lot um a lot easier mm-hmm. and make make this dream work so yeah it's, it's an exciting time for us um we've got a book out hopefully about february or march there's a book out called guts grits and grind mm-hmm. the mental health manual for men that's in america where i've written chapters in so um, we'll have that soon. Obviously, more merchandise. We're looking at some celebrity ambassadors at the moment to help spread our message. They have a, you know, a great way of touching people that we yep. can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so all these different things, but it's a pretty exciting time for us. We're flat out busy, but the more talks and workshops we can book in, let's fill that calendar right up. Love yeah. it, mate. Love it. Oh, you're doing fantastic work. I love what you're doing with Mindful Oz. Um, you've certainly got the lived experience like we were speaking about at the start. And, um, you know, I think you're touching a lot of lives. And, um, yeah, anyone that wants to get in touch will put all that stuff in the show notes, mate. And it's been awesome hearing more of your story and obviously getting to connect with you and hearing someone who can talk so vulnerably like you do, which I think is just the most important thing we can have at the minute, mate. So yeah, mate. look forward to continuing the friendship and maybe yeah. doing some work in the I future. I l- love the work you do here. So I'm grateful to be able to be on this podcast and continue to build a relationship and collaborate between the two and, and um, look forward to coming here and you speak this week, mate. Beautiful, mate. Awesome. Watch me real nervous half an hour before. <laughs> I'll probably be nervous out the back somewhere too, don't worry. <laughs> I'll bring a few spare shirts. <laughs> uh, all right, thanks again, mate. And thanks everybody for tuning in and listening. First episode back for 2018. Got plenty more lined up. Very, very excited about the year with this podcast. Um, thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you all in the next one. Peace out. And that's it for another episode. I had such uh, an amazing time sitting down with Matt. He's an amazing dude with a great story and been through so much and he's achieving so much. The dude's only 26. Like, he puts me to shame, that's for sure. Um, I hope you all enjoyed that episode and you took something out of it. You feel a bit more inspired. For all the show notes, everything that we spoke about, head on over to sh podcast.com.au that's shpodcast.com.au I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart for tuning in and listening it is said the greatest gift one human being can give to another is the gift of their attention so I thank you so much for that guys have a beautiful day have a beautiful week I'll see you all the next episode peace out shift happens